The Milan Records soundtrack for Enola Holmes, the newest Netflix mystery film, features score music written by award-winning composer Daniel Pemberton, starring Millie Bobby Brown as Enola Holmes and Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes. The film is based on a series of young adult novels written by Nancy Springer. Enola Holmes premiered on Netflix September 2020, and Daniel Pemberton is here with us to discuss the film's score and the soundtrack. Hi, Daniel. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hey, nice to be here. How did you set out to musically capture this story? I think one of the first things that I talked about with the director, Harry Bradbeer, was really the emotions he wanted from Enola. There's a kind of mix of things he was excited about with the project something that really like sort of captured her character but also the world she was in having a sense of quirkiness to it and we sort of originally talked about the idea of actually a one-man band because her name Enola spells alone backwards and it sort of felt quite a fun idea for the kind of Victorian world she was in but as we got going we realized that wasn't the world's greatest idea but we did get a washboard in which is one of the early ideas of trying to get a washboard because very kind of uh, cockney music hall approach and then it just went from there. And Harry was very into the idea of like big melodies and having stuff that's very recognizable. That was quite a big part of like discovering these thematic ideas. And then we have her main theme, which started on this kind of piano thing that was like. And that had a sort of boisterousness and a sort of playfulness and a slight sense of anarchy, which felt quite good for her character. project you got a chance to write some melodic and emotional orchestral music full of themes coupled with a nice level of quirky sounds in the mix this is a bit of a change of pace for you as compared with some of your more tech-driven scores for films like spider-man into the spider-verse and birds of prey how did you approach that challenge all the films I do, Melody's always a big part. It's just different on each project. And I think with Anola, because we'd kind of taken this idea of having the orchestra as quite a key element, it meant I didn't have to necessarily reinvent the wheel. It becomes a lot more complex in terms of the apparatus at your disposal to write. With an orchestra, you've got the sort of strongest machine, so that you can have for writing melodic, emotional music. You know, Spider-Man still has the kind of um, Birds of Prey has 
So all those projects do have like melodic elements at their core, but they are a lot more maybe obsessed with the sonics and trying to create a world that feels right for those projects. Whereas with the NOLA, one of the things that's so fantastic about it is very unashamedly a exciting adventure and the baddies are bad and the goodies are good. And the stakes are always like slightly heightened because I think you're seeing it through NOLA's eyes, which is a child escaping from home for the first time. So everything feels that bit bigger and it means you can really put that kind of more sweeping music to it. For me, it's like I love doing different things each time, each project. And it's one of the things that really attracted me to this film was the fact I could do something different to what I did for the last few films. You know, I don't want to do the same thing every time. And this gave me a chance to play in a slightly more conventional sound pit, but hopefully still produce some unconventional results. Collider wrote shockingly great. Harry Bradbeer brings a propulsion to the narrative. Yeah, I mean, I'd actually worked with Harry like a long time ago in British television. We did some TV series together. And so it's quite exciting to work with him on his debut feature film six or seven years later. Harry's key with this whole film, I think, was emotion. It was always like, you have to feel the emotion. I really want you to feel for Enola. I want you to be in her shoes. And he was always looking at it through that sort of lens. And I think that's one of the reasons the film is getting such a great response from everyone, because at its heart, it's a very lovely, powerful story. And it's a great adventure. And I think he's always searching for the sort of the simple key part of each scene and that often comes down to the emotion you know there's some great stylistic trickery and there's a great editor on this as well called Anna Bosman who was a really big part in creating some of the stylish moments of the film but you know take the style away of those scenes it comes down to the emotion of Enola. Harry's always focusing in on that and he wants big themes. You know, one of the things early on, we wrote a bunch of stuff, ideas, and some things were landing, some things weren't, and it was over Christmas, and he's just like, just go play the piano, write me some themes on the piano. So I went back and I was staying with my parents. And I just spent Christmas noodling on the piano in our family's kitchen and recording all the stuff on voice memos. And like trying to get my family to shut up is quite hard. So it's got everyone shouting and arguing in the background or running around, but you could still write these melodies on top of that noise. My 
sort of childhood home is quite anolary and it's quite chaotic and crazy. So it felt a really good place to write those themes, just sitting amidst this sort of quite mad house, British household, sitting by a piano while there's noise all around you, just trying to find the right kind of ideas. And so I sent those over to Harry and, you know, he responded very excitedly to them. And that kind of response is what pushed me into what you end up hearing in the film. Let's go over some of the cues. What can you tell us about cracking the chrysanthemums? This cue is the first time we really introduced what I called a bit earlier the adventure theme. That's the ding, 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 ding. And this is a way of taking you into Enola's brain and also saying an adventure's beginning here. Here's where the adventure begins. And I wanted to capture the inner workings of her head, like moving very quickly, lightly, deftly, but also have an instrumentation in there that had a lightness to it. But by the end, when she solves this puzzle, you see how her mind works and why she's such a great thing a very light beginning and by the end it's built into this very large piece you know in the same way she's cracking this clue it starts off unsure trying to figure it out and the melody's moving around lightly but by the end it's turned into this massive crescendo where she's very sure what she's doing and the adventure begins So for me, that's kind of a really important cue because it's establishing a lot of the musical framework for the whole film, both thematic and sound-wise, where we have a mix of orchestral and then things like mandolins, accordions, guitars, not necessarily conventional parts of the orchestral palette. What can you tell us about Fields of London? London as a piece is in some ways a bit of a homage to what I always call super widescreen film composers like John Barry or Maurice Jarre who would always be brilliant at writing these like beautifully wide sweeping melodies over fantastic big shots like Walkabout by John Barry but the way he'd take a very simple strong melody and then just track it on double it on like three octaves one line on the strings and you get this amazingly rich sweeping sound and I wanted to get that for the film for the first time, like Tewkesbury and Enola see London from afar and I wanted you to get a sense of the awe and wonder of London mixed with a kind of slightly quirky feeling underneath as they're based on the back of this sheep cart and I wanted to capture a mixture of the sort of rustic imperfection with the beauty of London at that time from afar. London does not look as beautiful as that now sadly. Yeah, US as well. What can you tell us about TikTok? TikTok is a piece that's near the sort of last act of the film. And I don't want to give too much away about the story, but what I've always found interesting is trying to use like found sounds as well as orchestral ones or melodic sounds. And we found that actually the sound of the grandfather clock was incredibly effective at creating a sense of tension. So a lot of this scene starts off with literally just the sound of the grandfather clock from the ball 
Then we start adding other ticking mechanisms, both the faster clock, but then also the footsteps of the mysterious man in a bowler hat chasing them. And that was worked very closely with Harry and Adam, the editor, at trying to create this kind of piece where everything worked together, where the movement of the characters was in time with the beat. And you pull things away, like there's bits where we pull away the fast ticking or we pull away the footstep sound, but it almost is subconscious. Like you see the character walking and you start hearing the footsteps. Then he stops walking, you're still hearing the footsteps. They're creating this tension and this sense of threat and dread. And it's very subliminal. And then on top of that, you've got a lot of metallic sounds that are there to sort of reflect metallic and stone the room they're in there's a lot of like armor in there the mysterious bowler hat man has a weapon that's made of metal as well and i wanted to really capture that kind of creepy element to the scene and a lot of the string writing there is very atonal or slightly detuned to make it feel very off kilter an exciting scene because the music there is almost quite different to a lot of the other places in the movie and it really does seem to effectively create a good sense of suspense and dread Daniel Pemberton, congratulations on your great score for Enola Holmes, and thanks very much for discussing the film and its music with us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much.